Sup witches, Phil here. Uh, now, due to some unfortunate circumstances completely out of our control, like my laptop breaking, um, work getting on top of all three of us, um, we've had to delay the instalment of our next episode. Uh, however, to tie over um, a couple of things. First of all, we're going to try and do some video content across um, our Facebook and Twitter. Yes, you heard that right. We're actually doing something on social media. So we're going to try and do an ask. It's not really an ask me anything. Ask us anything, whether it's Sabrina related, life related, anything you want. So we're going to put some, um, you know, some some details about that on uh, social media very shortly. But yes, we want to hear from you so yes ask us anything you want and you can find out more information about our video content that we are going to do our our uh, ask ask us anything on our facebook that's sabrina the teenage watch or on twitter at sabrina watch and secondly to tie you over uh, what you're about to listen to or potentially listen to um, is actually a podcast that we did initially record almost around this time last year. Um, we launched it in January, our second podcast. However, due to you know lockdown, COVID-19, um, we've not continued with it just yet because we feel it's a show that really benefits us from all being in the same room. But yeah, it was another podcast that we did called Truncheons and Dragons. Sounds very strange, but uh, well, we are. Um, and yeah, what it is, it's a fantasy role-playing comedy crime thriller podcast in where myself, Chris or Graham, or our new uh, friend Seb, we all come together and we all take turns writing a chapter of a crime novel. Each chapter, uh, one of us takes full control of what's happening, so who knows exactly um, uh, what's going to happen. The the pilot we did was really, really fun. So if you do want to, I'm by no means forcing you to, because it's not Sabrina related to, but if you would love to find out what else we can do, um, then yeah, please stay tuned. You'll see our pilot episode, our bumper pilot episode, where we create our very own uh, story. And when we do get back up and running, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at T and D podcast. Hope to speak to you soon and do head over to our social media pages to find out how you can get involved in our Ask Us Anything video. Take care and stay safe. And may every little thing you do be magic. How's he doing? Your, your husband? Peter asked the minuscule woman perched beside the unconscious male. And you are? <laughs> <laughs> She's sassy, man. I like her. She cried with irrational, suspicious intent. Inspector Girth, madam, of Her Majesty's Police. I did what I thought was right at the time. Will he pull through? He'll be fine. She mumbled. It's not the first time he's swallowed something he shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I believe you've read the next line. So I it's a good line. Welcome everybody to Truncheons and Dragons, the first ever fantasy role-playing comedy crime thriller podcast, or t- to some degree. Hey, that calls for a celebration. Uh, it's a bit of a uh, mad idea, but the uh, the idea behind this podcast is that uh, each episode is going to be a chapter of a story that we're just going to write ourselves, and it's going to be completely uh, unpredictable because each episode is going to be written by a different member of the team. But uh, speaking of team, we might as well introduce ourselves. My name is Phil Dean. I am your game master, I think. I mean, it doesn't really apply. I've just used that because of the namesake. Uh, but uh, I am going to be your, your sort of guide through this uh, wonderful story that we're about to tell and I'm not alone as you could hear by the cheers and jeers beside me. Uh, first of all it's Mr Seb Farrell. Hello everybody. Hello Seb how are you doing? I'm very well thank you yes it's a pleasure to be here. Long time listener first time caller. <laughs> Excellent indeed aren't we all? And uh, seated next to him is Mr Chris Evans. Hello Chris. Not that one. Not that one, and no, not that one again. This is just a Chris Evans, not uh, one of the Chris Evanses. Uh, Chris Evans, uh, you uh, we're very familiar with each other. Not not in that way. <laughs> but, uh, I wondered why you were sat here naked. <laughs> uh, I am sorry. I'll just go and get a blanket. I, I thought I, I I thought it was a different podcast. Sorry. No, in the podcasting says because uh, we've presented together many times on uh, Sabrina the Teenage Watch, which uh, you know if you couldn't guess by its namesake uh, is a look back over the uh, all 160 of the episodes of the hugely popular 90s TV sitcom 
Clueless. Truncheons and Dragons is a nice play on the word because we're going to create our own fantasy uh, crime story. I don't have any experience really in writing crime stories or really reading crime stories. I just watch a little bit on the telly. But you know, how hard can writing a crime story really be? Well, I guess we're going to find out very, very soon. Uh, but first of all, boys, that's because this is uh, a bit of a game as well as a podcast. We're incorporating um, some role-playing uh, elements to our tale uh, in the similar fashion as Dungeons & Dragons. We're not going to be dressing up, Chris. However, it can be possible if we would like to dress up during... Well, I, I wish you'd told me that before. I wouldn't wear this skirt. <laughs> it's very fetching. Thank like... you very much. I've got my legs out and everything. Indeed. And it's I very shaved them last night. <laughs> what up? You want to feel them? So. It's like a Brillo pad. <laughs> <laughs> and could a Brillo pad be a murder weapon in one of our stories? Well, that's, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the possibilities are endless with this. How would you kill someone with a Brillo pad? It's up to you, Chris, to tell us. <laughs> you can choke on pretty much anything nowadays. <laughs> one cannot simply kill off a character or change the story's direction without thinking of where it can then lead okay so I could spend uh, chapters you know uh, building up this amazing character and then one of you just just kills them off just like that or brings them back to life each chapter must end in a cliffhanger and then begin immediately following the previous chapter's cliffhanger at the end of an episode the player due to write the next chapter must select two to three magic words from the box these words must then be weaved into the story and the final uh, rule is uh, the word dragon must be included in the story in any way possible. For example, this could be a character's surname, a slang for something, or an actual dragon. <laughs> there we go. Oh, and there's actually there's actually one more as well. It's not so much of a rule, but we're going to incorporate some dice rolling into this, gentlemen. At a certain point in each of our chapters, there is going to be a um, kind of a crossroads, and I'm going to uh, we're going to give each other the opportunity whether we want to go down one route or another. And you know what decisions we make are going to affect. Um, the story going forward. If you do want to be involved uh, in this show, whether it's it's ideas for uh, characters to include or directions people can go, then you can find us on Twitter. We are T and D Podcast. Nice. Or, I was going to put truncheons and dragons, but truncheons is is a very British word, and <laughs> and baton a baton and dragons never, doesn't really. I've never thought the word truncheon that much ever. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're right. Yeah, truncheon, truncheon. Show me a truncheon. Just, yeah, yes. everywhere else. It, it's oh, just pass me my baton. Yeah, baton, but a truncheon. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Trun- yeah, police's yeah, okay. baton. Is, yeah. During this pilot, we create a short three-chaptered story to give people an overview of <laughs> the mayhem that could occur. Oh, you crazy cat! This story doesn't have a name just yet. The name is going to be decided when we finish the story. Okay. Um, Good way but of doing it. the chapter is aptly named "Murder on the Leighton Orient Express." What? <laughs> chapter one. Murder on the Latent Orient, Orient Express. Express. My God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so British. <laughs> Let me just get my truncheon. <laughs> yeah, the words I picked out for this chapter is I must incorporate a train. Obviously, that's kind of giving it away already. Cocaine and Postman Pat. Well, what? Easy. <laughs> that's that's an episode we all remember from childhood, right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do the van today, so I got the train. And while on it, I got some beak. <laughs> ah, no! <laughs> no well, why are you kicking Jess? <laughs> so we're all ready without you started, but uh, we at least have a great time. Chapter one, a murder on the latent Orient Express. There was so much blood. It was everywhere. This is not a funny matter, Christopher. There was so much blood. (laughs) It was everywhere. Each groove along his fingers and thumbs were dripping in crimson, viscous blood. And it was showing no signs of stopping. Everyone around him was screaming, faces frozen in terror, having just seconds ago, showing signs of blissful elation. Every single eye was drawn towards him, covered in blood, inches away from a now seemingly lifeless body. Time stood still for what felt like eternity. Seb. Yes, hi. I would like you to play the role of our lead character. Oh, what? That's a lot of pressure. <clears throat> okay, what accent has he got? Who is Well, he? tell me everything. Lead yeah. character is uh, Inspector Girth. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, murder. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, oh, I'm Inspector Girth. <laughs> I'll inspect your girth, love. Bloody hell. <laughs> okay. Let me just get the circumference of the matter. <laughs> so, yeah, Inspector Peter Girth. I'm glad you got the joke. Uh, <laughs> Inspector Peter. Girth, yeah. Inspector Girth. He's an old copper. He's just retired. In fact, he's on, he's on his first week of retirement. Um, bit of a mumbling sort of guy. He's got a bit of a moustache going on, I think. Oh, okay. Very portly. Very sort of just... He's got a what? He's got a girth. Yeah, he has. He's okay. got a girth on him. Yeah. So, um, so just retired. So he's like fifty-five, sixty-five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we're a little bit older. It's up to you. Northern, southern. Um, I think. I think. Uh, is your character Phil? Where's he from? I think. I think he's from the north. I think. From the north. Yeah. Trump north. Trump north. I'm right. Inspector Girth. I'm old and I'm from the north. Right. Am I tired like this, or that- am I more authoritative like this? <laughs> I think what the do you think you are? Sure. Your, your character. <laughs> I think I think um, being a bit uh, authoritative. You, okay, not not like oh, that was my last week at retirement, and now I'm back on bloody train, getting murdered. <laughs> All right, so he's more authoritative. Authoritative. Okay, so I'll uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll repeat up the last little bit. So every single eye was drawn towards him, covered in blood, inches away from a now seemingly lifeless body. Time stood still for what felt like. Eternity. But I cracked it. The case, I cracked it. Uttered the man, fearful, anxious, doomed. Yes, you did, said the mysterious blonde woman. But if there's not a fire, then there's no bloody need to punch it, is there? The casing says break in the event of emergencies only. She was right. The man had only swallowed a dry roasted peanut, but Peter Girth felt it was necessary to twat that emergency box (laughs) with all of his might, hoping it would lead to instant resuscitation and appreciation, and of course a complimentary beverage from the trolley. I'm sorry, madam, but as a member of Her Majesty's Police, it's my duty to help those in need. Peter bellowed. Shall I do it again and bellow? Yeah, do it <laughs> again and bellow. I didn't really bellow that. I've not read ahead. I was told not to. <laughs> I'm sorry, madam, but as a member of the Majesty's Police, it's my duty to help those in need. Peter bellowed. No matter the danger, no matter the cost. Well, as a member of the Leighton Orient Express cabin crew, it's my duty to throw any disruptive and dangerous passengers off this train. She was right. A man had only swallowed a dry roasted peanut, but Peter Girth felt it was necessary to twat that emergency box with all his might, causing the train to knacker its brakes and come to a complete stop in the middle of the snow-drowned January countryside. And of course, a complimentary beverage was completely out of the question. The least you can do is mop up your blood, sir. You're dripping it onto a children's backpack. (laughs) Peter Girth looked down, aghast of the multiplying mess he continued to make. And unfortunately for him, not even the image of Postman Pat caked in a police officer's blood could raise a smile. It had already dried on poor Jess. Nice. Hang on, can I just clarify something at this this juncture? Inspector Peter Girth... Inspector Girth to his friends. Inspector Girth to his friends. Call me Girth. Or or Girthy, (laughs) if you will. Yeah, Yeah, indeed. Um, He's the one bleeding after smashing an emergency box because a bloke was choking on a peanut. Yes, I believe he twatted the box. <laughs> he, twatted, <laughs> he twatted the box. I do apologise. Yeah. I, I just needed that clarification. No, no, no that's good. No, that, that sort of clarification yeah. that we need. Yes, he saw a man um, uh, choking on a peanut. And, and, he, and, and he rather was... than doing the Heimlich manoeuvre, he twatted the emergency stop box. Well, it says in case breaking curses of emergency, we, we crack the case and that's it. And it, was a clever, it was a clever way of introducing us to this world. Yeah, indeed. That, there was blood everywhere. He yeah. already cracked the case. And, and he was bleeding onto a small child's backpack, which had a picture of Postman Pat and Jess on it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a, a little... Well, I didn't really attempt to do a voice. I just did a slightly softer version of yeah, my voice. Yeah, I was expecting you to go, Chris, can you be the woman? Uh, well, no, well, you, you've, I've got a role for you oh, later on. Oh, yeah. God, that's sinister. Oh, I've got a role for you, son. Get your pants down. So, well, yeah, we're introducing to... <laughs> That was me. That was Girth, not me. That's worse. (laughs) So we're introducing to a brand new character. Uh, She's called Tracy, and she is the uh, the cabin crew uh, sort of manager of the uh, Leighton Orient Express. And she's going to uh, do a distorted voice, not by choice, but just do the course of the uh, the uh, the the tannoy. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, echoed a distorted and flustered voice above his head. My name is Tracy and I'm the cabin manager on board today's journey. I'm sorry for the delay to our service this evening due to an unforeseen circumstance. 
We hope to continue with our travels very shortly, so please remain seated and we'll be back on our way soon. As he pulled the tiny bits of plastic out of his hands, he, he couldn't help but think of his time as a junior officer. A young lad so desperate to succeed and eager to please, always going one step further to prove to himself that this was indeed his calling in life. And here he was, his first week of retirement. How have these last 50 years passed me so soon? He muttered. I've still got more to give, even in me 60s. Got more in me than all the kids back at Scotland Yard. He took a handkerchief from the unconscious gentleman's jacket pocket to wrap around his throbbing yet thankfully drying knuckles. The said gentleman wouldn't have minded this, he thought. He was breathing at least, despite the overly inflated glands. I bet I could still solve the case with my eyes closed, he thought. And luckily for him, he was about to be in the right place at the right time, regardless of whether he could see what was coming up. Chris. Yes. I would like you to be the uh, role of Alfie, the portly train conductor and engineer. Portly, sort of middle-aged, just a bit, um, very short, I envision him, and uh, very flustered. He's up, he's stretching, my God. Short, portly, flustered. (laughs) The part you were born to play, baby! (laughs) Luckily for him, he was about to be in the right place at the right time, regardless of whether he could see what was coming or not. It's no use, they're completely buggered, wet the portly train driver. I told them these new trains aren't up to spec. Why scrap something that ain't broke? So we're stuck here, are we? In the middle of bloody nowhere? Tracy cried into a burgundy Leighton orange scarf. <laughs> what can we do now then, hmm? Does, even, does anybody even know where we are? You have a hard job getting signal out here, miss. But as soon as the power's back on, we'll contact the depot for help. The power's gone too, roared Tracy, although honestly still completely unsurprised. It's these new fail-safes on train. The commuters... What? <laughs> the commuters... <laughs> the, commuters are, the commuters have shut down. The commuters have all shut down. The commuters have all shut down. It's these new fail-safes on train. The computers all shut down for health and safety. We can't turn them back on until the brake checks come back complete. Tracy knew that already. Someone who hadn't stepped onto a train in decades was in charge of how they were built. And now, thanks to their moments of futuristic genius, she was now cold, agitated and now staring at a possible evening spent with tyrannical passengers. I'm sorry, Alfie. I know it's not your fault. Just get us back up and running as soon as you can, eh? Aye, will do, bub. Just be careful, there's nothing more frightening than disgruntled passengers. (laughs) You're right there, Alfie, chuckled Tracy, watching the rotund pensioner clamber back under the space-age train carriage. I best get back inside and tell them the news before they start killing each other. (laughs) (laughs) She laughed, and he laughed, but little did they both know that she'd already failed to do just that. The blood flow had now subsided, much to the delight of the other passengers, particularly the children on board, who had never seen anything quite like it. Apart from nine-year-old Callum sitting beside him, he once stabbed a cat. (laughs) 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 What a mess you've gotten yourself into, Girth, Peter said, staring into the blood-ridden, shattered alarm casing. You really are a bloody arsehole. He was right. The shattered alarm case did now resemble one. (laughs) Yeah, just just leave with that image. As he stared out of the cabin window, he could see two members of staff arguing outside. And although initially hostile, he could tell it was in an effort to resolve the current situation. The one that he himself had caused. How's he doing? Your, Your husband... Peter asked the minuscule woman perched beside the unconscious male. And you are? (laughs) (laughs) She's sassy, I like her. She cried with irrational, suspicious intent. Inspector Girth, madam, of Her Majesty's Police. I did what I thought was right at the time. Will he pull through? He'll be fine. She mumbled. It's not the first time he's swallowed something he shouldn't have. Okay, so I believe you've read the next line. So. I haven't read it. I just... He'll be fine. 
She mumbled. It's not the first time he's swallowed something he shouldn't have. Come again. (laughs) I'm setting you up. It's a good line. (laughs) Come again. No, just a bag of peanuts this time. But even so, despite the warnings on the packet, he'd never read them. Life's too short to read warnings, he'd say. The petite woman stopped caressing her partner's face. Just one of many things that irritated me about him. Well, hopefully we'll be back on the move shortly. Peter said with vigour, being sure to bum a cigarette from her husband's loose trouser pocket. I'm glad you finished that sentence. Being sure to bum. I hope so, Mr Girth. I don't want to stick around here for much longer. So, boys, we've reached our first of possibly many sort of forks in the road or the track in this uh, in this sense. So, there are two decisions that can be made and that will lie in the hands of the dice, or rather, in the hands of uh, the person holding the phone containing the dice app. Future episodes, we'll bring some dice. It's, it's we're recording this before Christmas, so I know where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> So, boys, there are two decisions to make uh, from the dice. We can either, obviously, um, Peter Girth has taken a cigarette. We can either have him uh, smoke that cigarette in the um, in one of the uh, carriageways, okay. or we can smoke it um, standing where he is out of the window, obviously potentially looking out to what's uh, going on. All right, okay. What do we want? What would we like to happen? I, I favour the window, personally. Okay. Well, I'm just wondering what year it is. Okay. That he can smoke in a train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he could, he could just be being naughty. We don't yeah, know. That's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and get a year into my chapter. <laughs> just to narrow things up a little bit. Odds is going to be the carriageway, and okay. evens is going to be uh, smoking by the window. Right, I shall roll the dice. Here's me tapping. It's a nine. A nine. And last time I checked, that was an odd, wasn't it? Yeah, five and a four. Oh boy, so sorry, Seb, that we're not smoking by the window. We're, oh. we're going we're gonna to go and uh, cough up uh, into someone's face uh, in the potential <laughs> carriageway. Peter headed towards the carriage's emergency exit for a smoke. He'd given up several times before, but just like justice, it was a sweet drug difficult to ignore, as was cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> He made sure to pass his pleasantries to his fellow passengers on the way, reply to each middle finger with a diplomatic wave. (laughs) He had always been a people person, just not a terribly likeable one. Excuse me, officer, chimed an authoritative voice from the ship. That was that was that was not authoritative. Excuse me, officer, chimed an authoritative voice from the shadows. Officer, may I speak with you for a moment? It's Tracy, the cabin crew manager. Certainly, miss. What seems to be the problem? You're fucking joking, right? (laughs) She scoffed. Forget it, this is your mess, so I need you to deal with it. Can you please inform passengers that we're stuck here until further notice? It's the least I can do, I suppose. Uh, You know, I did genuinely think he was dying. Well, I wish he was. It would certainly validate the reason why I'm stuck here in the middle of fucking nowhere. And with a little shove of encouragement, Peter stood facing his rattled and tired audience. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> my name is Inspector Peter Girth, and I've been instructed to inform you that... He paused, perhaps for longer than what is traditionally allowed without an explanation. The cries for answers from those around him were nothing but white noises, drowned out by the ferocity of his beating heart. There was a small puddle of blood by where once he stood, and it wasn't there before. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Inspector Peter Girth. And I've been instructed to inform you that there's been a murder. <laughs> what? End of chapter one. He's seen something. So uh, it, the um, you know who could it be? Who is this? Uh, this where this small blood is coming from? But uh, you know, without going to this body, he seemingly knows that someone has died. So who- wait, wait, wait. Can I just so? <clears throat> There was a small puddle of blood by where he once stood, and it wasn't there before. Well, this is what Phil said. Phil yeah. said it much nicer. By once where he once stood. <laughs> no. I may have put one or two Wait, incorrect is words this in. where he, he stood with his knuckles dripping on Postman Pat's face? But he was, it was all cleaned up before he cleaned up all the mess, so it was a new, it's a fresh, fresh, blood. fresh, uh, like vigorously red uh, patch of blood. So to make it before. even clearer, man is choking on peanuts, no blood, mm-hmm. no blood, goes have a smoke, comes back, blood now. 
Yeah, but who could it be? Could it be Yoda? But that could it be the unconscious man, or could it be someone else? Could it be Callum? He stabbed a cat once, remember? (laughs) Oh, Callum, you little swine! That leads it to the end of chapter one. So uh, you know, there's there's uh, they're all stuck on a train, and uh, yeah, now there's been a murder. So will Inspector Peter Griff get to the bottom of this murder? I guess we're going to find out in chapter two, Seb. Yeah, Um, obviously, typically this would be another episode of chapter two, but you know, again, like I said, to keep an overview of what this uh, pilot's going to be like, I feel like we should go away and uh, write a chapter and reconvene uh, when you a, say we write a chapter you mean I am going to write yes, a chapter yes, right, you're going yes. to write, write chapter 2 hit pause for now Sure. reconvene in a couple of days time and come back with chapter 2 um, but you can't leave Seb without your words that you're going to use in this particular chapter so as I said mine were train uh, cocaine and post and pattern I feel like I nicely incorporated them in beautifully done beautifully done Chris has got Chris a, has got a, a bag, bag. Okay, I will jumble around these bits of paper. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Um, my three words are, oh God, Serengeti. <laughs> so where's the train going? Oh no, um, that came to mind. I was just listening to um, you know, to Toto, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> woolly is the second word. Okay, because obviously we're in Warren. Yeah, Woolly yeah. back. Yeah. Woolly could be. Uh, and the third word is interrogation. Okay, that's um, it's, that it's probably one of the more boring words that we could have picked up, but that's um, okay. it, and it's also standard sort of fits within the story. It yeah, does, it, it does a little bit. It's standard police practice, so I think there should be some interrogation. To will it be brutal or soft? We'll find out soon. So uh, yeah, good luck, Seb. And uh, the next time you hear all of our voices, chapter two is in the can. Wait, is that the title of chapter two? <laughs> chapter in the can. Chapter two in the can. Hi. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to do oh, an introduction. Hi there. Hi there. Welcome back to Truncheons and Dragons. It's good. time for chapter two. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. This chapter's called In the Can. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, was this just because I said chapter two, it will be in the can? Exactly. That's exactly why it's called that. Uh, just a reminder, the words I was given last week were Serengeti, Woolly, and interrogation. Interior. Train carriage circa 1955. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a subtle way of putting it in a time, and I thought, sod it, just start with it. Wait, Postman Pat wasn't around in 1955. Yeah, okay, good. It's 1955. The characters we have are Inspector Girth, he's yeah. back. Man in Hat. Back. <laughs> yeah. uh, Man in Hat, Phil, I'd like you to play Man in Hat, oh, if yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I have Elderly Woman. That's you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, man with an unusual and exotic accent, Phil. <laughs> and Yorkshire train driver, Chris. Everyone happy with that? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, I think. And you're still girth, yeah. aren't you? I'll, I've, still, I've still got some girth, yes. <laughs> You've still got some girth in you. I've still got some girth left in me, yes. All right, so here we go. Chapter two, In the Can. The atmosphere that followed the announcement was as dead as the man in the cabin. The silence was, ironically, deafening. Girth surveyed the carriage the way a large lioness might survey the Serengeti. <laughs> Treating all on board. There should, there should be some sort of sound effect. There. there should be some sort of... Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Points. That, 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 was, that, that is well played. Get thank you. Thank there, you so yeah. much. If uh, interrogation's the next word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you put them all in order, you should get extra points. Okay. Oh, thank you. Writing that down. You should really. You know, he surveyed the woolly Serengeti interrogated. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Gur surveyed the carriage the way a large lioness might survey the Serengeti, treating all on board like lumps of flesh. Flesh ready to be interrogated and eaten by his not insignificant appetite. Although not a large man, he certainly lived up to his name, and he could feel the seats on either side of the aisle brushing against his thick tree-like legs. This was the type of situation he was born for. He lived for this. His life was death. He was... He was about to speak again. In his many years on the job, he had perfected exactly how long to wait after a murder announcement to a group of strangers for the best possible dramatic effect. He licked his dry lips, opened them to speak, and then a noise at the far end of the train stopped him. Oh, is this man in hat? It is. Excuse me, what did you say, mate? Said a man taking off a large woolly hat. I can't hear a thing when I'm wearing this. Though I've knitted it, it's as thick as she is. 
What's happened? Why is everyone looking at you? Who are you? What's going on? Inspector Girth reddened. This man had ruined his next line. An absolute belter of a line he had thought about ever since he realised this man had been murdered. He composed himself. I said there's been a murder. A murmur? The man asked. You should see a doctor, mate. And with that he pulled his hat back on, sat down and unfolded his paper. A murder! Girth shouted at the back of his head. And the perpetrate... Oh, hang on, I'm not doing my voice. <laughs> totally forgot, I'm being narrator as well. A murder! Girth shouted at the back of his head. And the perpetrator is someone on this carriage. Someone here with us now. Somebody not a million miles away this very night. An innocent man died at the hands of one of you, and by God, we will find out which man did this. Oh, oh, woman! An elderly lady added. You, you shouldn't assume that a man did this murdering, if indeed it is a murder. He might be asleep. He hadn't the time to come up with one. He didn't think he'd need one tonight, but so far, this wasn't going to plan. The people around him who had been so loud and animated just moments earlier had fallen silent and still. The dead man's wife was grey-faced and shocked. Tracy, the cabin crew member, was stood up looking ready to faint. Callum, the child, was the only person looking alert. He was looking from the body to the nearest door and back again. Inspector Girth was sure he spotted a smirk on the young man's face, but it could have equally just been that the wretched boy was indeed undoubtedly shifty-looking by nature. (laughs) (laughs) This man is not sleeping. He is dead. Inspector Girth explained. Murdered. Homicided. He has been murdered very recently by somebody on this train. Maybe you, he pointed at Tracy. Or perhaps you, he said, flashing a finger at the elderly lady who had questioned the man's current living status. What kind of finger, like? (laughs) (laughs) Middle. Oh, you, you old bitch. Uh, Excuse me, that's not very kind now. Sit down, you dragon. Oh, he got it in. But he didn't. No, he didn't. Officially, so that's very much up to you. Are you just going to end with... There you go. And then a dragon burned them all. (laughs) Um, Maybe. He pointed at Tracy. Or perhaps you, he said, flashing a middle finger at the elderly lady who had questioned the man's current living status. Maybe even you, he added, turning on the dead man's wife, a little disrespectfully, given the circumstances, but with the... Sorry, turning on. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is pretty disrespectful. She loved it. Oh, he's dead, but he's hot. Maybe even you, he added, turning on the dead man's wife. It does read that way, yeah? Turning on the dead man's wife. You've got to say it quick. Turning on the dead man's wife, a little disrespectfully given the circumstances, but with the full vigour expected of a man in his position. Further to this, he added, this train has malfunctioned and there is no way of anybody getting on or off this train until further notice. You bastard. What has happened to this chain? That's not an unusual exotic accent. Well, it was incorrect, so I think it's pretty unusual. <laughs> we'll go again. What has happened to this train? Asked a man with an unusual and exotic accent. Why can't we gather our belongings and get off? I demand to know why this is. We are human beings. I do not like to be held like a wild animal in zoo. Slowly what? <laughs> That's good, I liked it. Thank you, I, and I apologise for anyone who... Uh, is of any other nation that, that <laughs> might have represented... An exotic voice. <laughs> no, it was just a cacophony of every European accent. It was good, was I liked good? it. He's well-travelled. Will he feature in Chapter 3? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly and purposefully, like the lioness previously mentioned, Girth stalked the aisle of the carriage, making sure he looked into the eyes of every person he passed. The elderly lady smiled politely as he passed and whispered... I've got to say passed. 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 I don't know I'm doing passed. that. I'm sometimes being southern and sometimes northern. I'll just be me. The elderly lady smiled politely as he passed and whispered what sounded like an apology. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like an apology. The man with the unusual and exotic accent glowered at him. There was a mother holding her newborn baby who looked sheepish and tired. An overweight woman brushing crumbs from her blouse sat with her slender husband looking scared and hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Is she a culprit? Did she eat the man? (laughs) Wait, is there a body? 
Yeah. Oh, right. His oh, body's yeah. still there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, that's a good point. So who who have you established has been killed? The dead man. The dead man is the still man who was dead. The unconscious from choking on a peanut. Yeah, it has blood under him, and the assumption currently, both from me, the writer, and from Girth, yeah. the part I'm playing now, yeah, yeah. is um, that that man is still dead okay, and so murdered. That, that, so, so the peanut-choking man yeah. has gone from being unconscious but alive... To bloody and dead. To bloody and dead. Yes. Got in, yeah. in the space of, I guess, him smoking that cigarette. Yeah, that's so, all it took. That's all it so took. have we even got a name for the dead man? Not yet. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, there was a mother holding a newborn baby who looked sheepish and tired, an overweight woman brushing crumbs from her blouse, sat with her slender husband looking scared and hungry. Behind them sat a strong-looking, bald-headed, bearded man holding a rugby ball at the end of the... Tra- oh, and at the end of the train was the man in the woolly hat. One of you, Girth started, has committed a serious crime. He pulled the woolly hat off the man who had not been listening as he passed him. I fully intend to find out who you are and why you did this terrible thing. He hadn't intended to, but when he said the word terrible, he shouted it. I didn't do that. (laughs) Let's go back. One of you, Gerth started, has committed a serious crime. He pulled the woolly hat off the man who had not been listening as he passed him. And I fully intend to find out who you are and why you did this terrible thing. He hadn't intended to, but when he said the word terrible, he shouted it and threw the woolly hat at the man. Girth had reached the end of the train carriage, and now all eyes were on him. Well, almost all. The hat had landed at an angle and left the woolly-hatted man looking like a strange pirate. (laughs) Okay, this is where we can roll the dice. So, if we get an odd number, option one is that he will speak to the man with the now pirate... (laughs) Face. He speaks to the pirate man. He speaks okay. to the pirate, oh, the man. Like yes. Pirate. Yeah. The second option is he will intimidate everybody. Okay. Well, <laughs> I kind of want him to intimidate everybody. Well, the dice will decide. I've written one. I've written him speaking to the man with its own ending, yeah. and I've written him intimidating everybody with its own ending. So it's up to you. Okay. Do you want to roll the dice? Shall I roll Depending. the dice? Are you going to roll the Probably dice? So odd is odd is he speaks to the man. Yeah. And intimidates everybody is even. Excellent. Okay. Got it, yeah. All right, over to you guys. That's the sound of a man tossing. Yeah. Don't do that gesture. So, roll the dice. Yes. And it is uh, four. Four. Remind me, that's. Even. That's, that's everybody. Yeah. Okay, so he intimidates everybody. Excellent. It's a shame because the other one was slightly better written. Oh. That's fine. Uh, okay, so he's going to intimidate everyone. Girth had won back his audience. He knew he needed to assert his authority on this carriage, quickly and effectively. There was only one surefire way of doing this. He shouted, INTERROGATION! (laughs) 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 INTERROGATION! X Factor, INTERROGATION! And knocked with a flourish on the door at the end of the carriage. A train driver opened the door and in a thick Yorkshire accent asked... Oh, shit, what's a New Yorkshire accent? <laughs> it's up to you. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what bloody hell's going on? My train stopped dead and ruddy brakes have failed. The fuel is low and there's a strange buzzing noise coming from steam-powered mechanical stalkers. No, I think that's his fucking pacemaker. He's one day from retirement, this lad. Was that, that, was that all right? That was okay, that was, yeah, I like that. It sounds like he's suffering from, like, hemorrhoids. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The train driver is constipated. That's a What's he been doing in there? <laughs> were hemorrhoids around in 1955? I believe they were, yes. 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 Anything that yes. gets said from now on, it all happened in 1955. <laughs> yes, it happened in 1955. Okay, will you give me that line again? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think he will pass out. Okay. Uh, what bloody hell is going on? My train. <laughs> He's on 60 a day. <laughs> My train stopped and running brakes have failed. The fuel is low and there's a strange buzzing noise coming from steam powered mechanical stalkers. Interrogation! <laughs> Inspector Girth shouted at the confused driver's face. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that I'll interrogate each and every one of you. He began walking back up the carriage. In my own time and on my own, I must find out more about you and your possible motives. It means your days are numbered if you committed this heinous crime. It means if you did this, I'll come down upon you like a ton of bricks. 
for effect on the word bricks. Inspector Girth hit the wall with his sizeable fist, and suddenly the lights on the train all went out and let everybody in complete darkness. <laughs> the man with the exotic accent shouted, ah! The elderly lady added, Oh dear. And the Yorkshire train driver also said, You bastards! There were shouts and screams from all around the carriage. A small... A small? There were shouts and screams from all around the carriage. A door slammed shut. A body moved in the shadows. Girth squinted in the darkness to try and make out what was happening. The darkness had consumed everything. The noise was reaching a fever pitch. It seemed that everybody was standing up and bustling around the carriage. Then, from nowhere, a blood-curdling scream and silence. Oh, is that the end of the That's the end. Oh, Oh, You've got nothing to work <laughs> <with>. <laughs> Nothing's happened. No, that's a heinous crime. <laughs> he's about to interrogate people. Yeah. yeah so right. the recap is he's, uh, he's acknowledged the man's death. He's decided to take authority of the whole train. He's done that. <laughs> yeah. And now he wants to interrogate everybody to find out some motives. And everyone's in complete darkness. Trains malfunctioned. There's screams and whatnot going on. Yeah, right at the end of the chapter, yeah, he's hit a wall. That's obviously done something. It's meant all the lights have gone out. And during that time... And during that time, there's somebody is doing something. Okay. What that something is, is all on you. So I guess this person can do anything they want in their shadows permitted. It was possible in 1955. <laughs> yeah. Postman Pat no longer exists in chapter <laughs> three. You know what I said about, yeah, signal. Like, what, what kind of signal were you... <laughs> You did, but I I assumed that meant the signal on the train. Oh, good. The train good signal. Good so the train signal wasn't quite working. Right. She okay. couldn't use the train signal. Okay. So now it's very much an Agatha Christie, Are Orient Express computers? murder. I'm pretty sure I said the word computers. You did, but I think Chris said commuters at first. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone I've gone with that angle. I mean, Chris, you're very welcome to bring it right back up to date, and this was all in his head. Excellent. Do you need to pick some words? You do oh, need bollocks. to pick some words. Okay. I Okay. Get the, uh, the box of things that didn't sound like words. I mean, in fact, sounds like little children's Duplo bricks. The first magic word is Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Captain Planet. got that? Happy with that? Yeah, I already know how I'm going to use that. Excellent. Uh, the second word is cheese. Cheese. Yep, and yep. the third, just... Discombobulate. No, <laughs> oh, great word. Great word. That's discombobulate. Chris, Beautiful I wish you story. all the best in your endeavours with yeah. uh, tying all those loose ends together. <laughs> Got a lot of work to do there, Chris. Good luck. See you next week or next time. Hello and welcome to Truncheons and Dragons. We're about to enter the final chapter and find out what truly has happened to Inspector Girth. Uh, this is the um, chapter that I wrote. I wrote it last weekend immediately after recording, so I don't recall what I've written. Excellent. Okay, but it's the conclusion. But it's the conclusion. I know it ends... That's about it. Okay, but it's up to us to decide whether it ends appropriately. Okay. Whether we're thrilled enough. Yeah. But no, I, I've, I've been so excited, Chris, for this. Because this is <laughs> this is kind of the real test of whether this podcast can work, really. Um, so, yeah. I wish you all the best. All the best. Particularly because I didn't know that this middle chapter was the middle chapter. You gave me... I gave, you, I gave you nothing. He, you walked, gave me nothing. he walked up and down the carriage, and I introduced about a million characters. And yeah. now you've got to end it. I know, <laughs> but which makes it worse. I, I predict a big fire here, ladies and gents. <laughs> Welcome to chapter three, called the girth, the whole girth, and nothing but the girth. <laughs> Excellent. Nobody move a muscle. Girth exclaimed to the darkened train carriage. The entire carriage came to a complete standstill, not that Girth could see as his eyes had not adjusted to the darkness. Out of the top right inside jacket pocket, Girth pulled out a large torch and snapped it on, just as the train's emergency lights came on. (laughs) Girth thought to himself how strange a train from the 1950s had emergency lighting, but he went with it, still holding his torch, which was illuminated. Everybody take a seat, and I'll be coming round to each and every one of you to discuss the murder that has taken place. Girth explained to the terrified passengers, flashing his light over each of their faces, causing them to flinch. Girth knew that he would need to know the name of the deceased, as he would not be able to simply refer to him as Peanut Man. (laughs) Dead. 
<laughs> and so slowly made his way down the carriage to the body, which was still in the place that it had been left, as no one had tried to move the body in the darkness. As he approached the lifeless corpse, Peanut Man's wife, who was still crouched over the cadaver, raised her head and through tears asked the towering girth. <laughs> Please, will you find my husband's Girth did not reply. He merely gave her a look of justice and nodded, <laughs> lowering himself to the body, hearing the audible cracks of his arthritic knees and exhaling. <laughs> he arrived and started to rummage through Peanut Man's pockets, looking for identification. Rather than just asking Peanut Man's wife. He came across his wallet, in which was numerous cards and ID, with only one that somewhat resembled Peanut Man's face. It simply read, Boating License, Captain Planet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Round of applause! Mr. Planet, of course the dead man's Mr. Planet, Captain Planet. Well, he's got a boating license. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have a name, he thought to himself. Time to question the suspects. As he turned, leaving Mrs. Planet. (laughs) Still whimpering over Captain Planet. Twice. Girth bellowed once more. Interrogation! But before he could take another step, Callum, the small child who had once stabbed a cat, stood in his way. Mr. Girth! Mr. Girth! Please can I help? I always wanted to be an interrogational! (laughs) He's well annoying. (laughs) (laughs) But Girth ignored this, shoving his flabby palm on the side of the child's face, pushing him out of his way and onto the ground without a second thought. Because when interrogation was on his mind, no one could get in the way of Girth's justice. <laughs> I also like the idea that he's so fat he has a flabby <laughs> palm. <laughs> has, anyone the, has anyone in the history of the world had a flabby oh, palm <laughs> when he puts his hand on the kid's face? Skin just comes out from, <laughs> from the sides of his hands because it's so flabby. I just, it was just great. Flabby palm. I just imagine his palm is like a cheek. <laughs> Leaving two whimpering souls in his wake, Girth approached the man in hat, who was still looking like a strange pirate. He shone his torch directly in his face and growled like a dragon. And growled like a dragon. Did you kill Captain Planet? Girth had always found that if he asked his suspects outright, if they had committed the crime, it would discombobulate oh, them enough. Done it. <laughs> <laughs> Getting more on page one. Here. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, committed the crime, it would discombobulate them enough that they would tell the truth. The man in hat calmly retorted, "No." Girth took this as truth and swiftly moved on to his next <laughs> suspect. What a one inspector! Did you Fair do enough. it? Did you do it? No. no. Fair enough. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> interrogation ever <laughs> no bye <laughs> uh, moved on to his next suspect the man with the unusual exotic accent moving two inches from his face girth shouted did you kill captain planet confused by the question the man with the unusual exotic accent replied what is a captain planet girth swung his hand gesturing towards the deceased and exploded his next words this bollocks (laughs) (laughs) that is captain planet did you murder captain planet the man with the unusual exotic accent said without a moment's hesitation captain planet is not dead he's just resting not dead? That man is a corpse! He has ceased to be! What once was his body and mind has now become merely flesh and bone! He's pushing up daisies! He is no more Captain Planet! He's singing in the invisible choir! Did you murder him? No! The man with the unusual exotic accent assuredly responded. Shocked by the simplicity of the response, Girth realised his usual interrogation skills would not suffice 
with this crowd of bumbling idiots and heavily strutted toward the elderly woman. Heavily strutted? He's getting fire every time he's described. (laughs) He blocked the sun from the elderly woman's face with his massive body. He stepped out of the train and it circled his body in orbit. Fucking Hagrid. Standing one foot away from her chair, Girth adjusted himself. Adjusted himself. Sorry about that. Why did I write that? <laughs> you remind me of my ex. Sorry, love. Hate you, dick and all. Standing one foot away from her chair, Girth adjusted himself and looked down upon the elderly woman. His torch now by his side, shining upwards, illuminating the elderly woman's face. As she was eating her cheese and hand sandwich. That's it, cheese. That was the last one we forgot. Well done, well done. How can you eat in the presence of a man who has gone to meet his maker? The elderly woman stared at Girth as if she was peering into his soul and calmly answered, When you get to my age, death is just a part of life. And I love cheese. (laughs) Girth quickly realised he could use the elderly woman's love of cheese to gain the upper hand in this interrogation and swiftly twatted the sandwich from her lips. You will give me all of your attention, you hag. What relationship to you have with the now expired Captain Planet? If you answer me, I will allow you to eat the other half of the sandwich. If not, I'll show you the true meaning of girth justice. And now we've got the dice roll. The dice roll. So, okay, so I'm it, ready on the dice. It's, does the elderly woman not eat the sandwich or eat the sandwich? Oh, okay. That so, is as simple as that. Okay, so evens, eat the sandwich. Yeah. Odds, doesn't eat the sandwich. Okay, what is it, Phil? It is ten. All right, what does that mean? I've forgotten everything. <laughs> I'm not very good with even and odds, I'll be honest. <laughs> I believe it's an even number, and that, so that is means she the... doesn't. Oh, she does. She, she does. does eat she does, the does eat the sandwich. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Let me just uh, bin the other part of the script where the elderly woman slowly reached into her bag to retrieve the other half of the sandwich. Looking Girth straight in the eyes, she raised the sandwich to her mouth and took the biggest bite her slightly loose dentures would allow. Enraged, Girth snatched the sandwich from the elderly woman and shoved it. <laughs> Shoved it down his trousers. <laughs> Whoa! Sorry, took a turn I'm, here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's the next word? <laughs> just, just bear with. Shoved it down his trousers and mounted the elderly woman, grabbing her chin and forcing her head back to plunge his fingers into her mouth to dig out the bite of the sandwich she had just taken. Once every crumb was accounted for, Girth announced, "Girth justice." <laughs> At the top of his lungs, while the elderly woman cried in pain. Oh, shit. Wow. This has took a turn. Yeah, it's got, it's got to happen. So it's he, got to happen. He said, he said she was going to feel the, feel the wrath of Girth Justice. And she he... did. His big fat fingers down her throat. Until her apocalyptic last... sized fingers. <laughs> <laughs> like a Pringle tube. <laughs> Girth rounded up the train employees, Tracy, Alfie and the Yorkshire train driver whose name he couldn't be asked to learn. (laughs) (laughs) You three are now my top suspects. Where were you moments before Captain Planet passed on? The three employees looked at each other in disdain. How could this oaf believe they were responsible? They had a job to do and that was where they would have been. Alfie and Tracy explained to Girth they were outside the train arguing in the snow during the time of the murder. And the Yorkshire train driver told Girth, Fuck off! I was in driver's cabin, you fucking prick! (laughs) And promptly returned to his post. Wow. Satisfied with his line of questioning, Girth returned his torch to his top right jacket pocket and pulled out a cigarette and lit it while he was pondering all the information he had received. Puffing on his cigarette, he looked over the suspects in the cabin, most of whom had been reduced to tears, and thought to himself, I haven't had a piss for a while. I'm... <laughs> as well, sorry. I haven't had a piss for a while. 
I may as well go for the try. <laughs> Just go for a try. Does his age and his size sort of affect? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, his, got his pos- yeah, yeah. he's got an inflamed Yeah, he's got an inflamed prostrate. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. penis is as thick as a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, Girth asked Tracy where the nearest lavatory was on the train, and he headed in in the in the direction she had pointed. Trudging down the train, Girth thought that maybe none of these people had committed the heinous act. <laughs> Potentially. It might have been a ghost. <laughs> Girth arrived at the lavatory door after stepping over the widowed Mrs. Captain Planet. He reached for the door handle and swung the door open. In the small compartment was a man holding a knife dripping with blood. Girth locked eyes with the new man. It's bloody Captain Planet! The man lunged at Girth with the knife pointing towards his gut. Girth stepped to the right meaning the blade narrowly missed his pot belly. Removing the cigarette from his lips, he popped it into the man's eye, the shock of which caused the man to drop the knife, and Girth grabbed the man and took him to the floor, their faces centimetres from a pool of urine. <laughs> it took all of Girth's strength... Strength? Words are his tools. <laughs> English, not first language. <laughs> it took all of Girth's strength to hold the man down whilst reaching for his handcuffs that had been gifted to him when he had retired all those weeks ago. Once secure, Girth sat the man up, by which point all the other passengers and crew had swarmed the entrance to the toilet to see what had happened. Shocked by what they saw, it was indeed Captain Planet. Girth questioned. Who are you? The man responded breathlessly. I am Oliver Copperfield. The end. <laughs> it's Oliver Copperfield! I don't remember him. Why have I got high pitched? <laughs> Of course, of course it was Oliver Copperfield. It was Oliver Copperfield. <laughs> that's, that's, that's raised more questions than answers. That's the end. That It was Oliver Copperfield. Wow. Wowzers. Well, he then... killed himself. <laughs> no one actually died, and this was just a random half an hour on a train. Oh, no. No, no, no. Captain Planet's dead. Wait a minute. But he's in the toilet. And, no, Oliver Copperfield's in the toilet. Why did Girth, when he opened the door, say, It's bloody Captain Planet. It's because bloody... it looks like Captain Planet. Oh, okay. That was not clear. I know, so I realised. <laughs> That's why I said I've so just read So still a like... dead man, so his twin brother's called Oliver Copperfield. Yes. Got it. Right. <laughs> the end. That's the end. That's it. That's a... Good night, everybody. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> People would argue it wasn't really an ending, but I feel... It's I not feel... going to win a Pulitzer Prize anytime no. soon. Which but... mean it wasn't an ending? We know who the killer was. That's an ending. It is an ending. And he did write the end on it. <laughs> yeah, that was that made it an ending. Yeah. <laughs> the end. The end. It's an ending. I mean, people want a sequel. I yeah. can, you can guarantee that. I think what we should do is, um, obviously, in our, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to very shortly set the scene for our our first proper season of this of this show but I think down the line we should revisit um, Inspector Girth I think oh. he's, he's, I feel his story has not been finished no, no well, I, maybe we make him a Christmas special <laughs> I will no I've got I've got a great title for it Go The on. Chronicles of Girth Yes, we haven't got a chat. We haven't got a name for this story. The Chronicles, Chronicles of Girth. <laughs> that would surely be the umbrella term for all the Girth books. <laughs> Can we do a prequel when he's young and slim? <laughs> oh dear me! What about around the Girth in eighty days? <laughs> around the Girth in eighty minutes. <laughs> in eight minutes. <laughs> So there we go, three chapters of uh, Around the Girth in 80 minutes. So uh, well done to us all, I think, well for done, making well it. Well done, everybody. well done, well done. Anybody looking for Around the Girth is going to be very disappointed. <laughs> podcast. We need to set up our first series. So uh, this will be um, a story that will continue for you know for several episodes. And the idea is that we will come to a um, you know a fulfilling sort of conclusion. And it could be six episodes long, eight. 25, who knows, but we're going to keep it going until we've got a satisfying ending. But we need to pick out some random words. Now, these words are slightly different to the random words we picked out at the start. These are going to be a combination of uh, you know people, places, and uh, items. And these are going to uh, really sort of set the scene about, um, yeah, kind of just how this all works. Okay. So, 
13. Who has got 13? It's me. Um, asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to weave some asparagus into... Could it be a murder weapon? We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, uh, second number, please, Seb. Is number one. Number one. Which is me. This is a VH... <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, a VHS copy of The Adventures of Gringle Pants. <laughs> I have never fuck? heard of that, so I'm looking forward to bringing it in. So. Uh, neither have I. It's been made up. It's a made up item. Okay, a VHS so. copy, VHS specific, of The Adventures of Gringle Pants. Now that's the murder weapon. Yeah, so I've got a so far asparagus and a VHS copy of The, the Adventures of, of Gringo Pants. Gringle. Oh, Gringle. Gringle Pants. Yeah. Okay, your next number, Phil. Is number 16. Number 16. That's Phil. It's me again. Sorry, Chris. We didn't even get to any of yours. Uh, it's a minor, but not a... <laughs> wow. Wow. Whoa. Let, let, let's just... Whoa. 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 <laughs> <laughs> a minor? Where are we going with this? I'm afraid, guys. It's M-I-N-E-R. So a minor. Someone who goes down mines. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. 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 So a pickaxe, a shovel, and an asparagus, clearly, to uh, <laughs> to unearth a VHS copy of... Uh... See, I think the VHS may have set the, the, the decade for this particular story. <laughs> oh, who knows? Well, there we go. So we've got... Uh, um, so I've got to include in my uh, first chapter uh, an asparagus, a VHS copy of uh, Gringle Pants... Good luck. Uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, a miner has got to be involved in it somewhere. So uh, what does he unearth? Oh well, thank you very much, chaps, for joining me for this uh, ridiculous journey. Um, I I think the show's going to be a whole lot of fun, even if no one else agrees. I think we're going to have a blast doing it. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So join us for uh, series one, where who knows what it's going to be called, what it's going to be about. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting down and dirty with with a miner. So. <laughs> Uh, so thank you very much uh, to my to my uh, my uh, co-editors uh, have been Seb Farrell. Thank you very much, Seb. Thank you, Phil. And thank you very much to Chris Evans. Thank you, Phil. And again, if you want to follow us, then uh, join us on this uh, ridiculous journey by heading to Twitter and find us at T and D Podcast. But until then, who knows where this who done it will go? That's it. That's it. Yes. Truncheons and Dragons was created, hosted and voiced by Phil Dean, Seb Farrell and Chris Evans. Original music by Mickey Hall and artwork by David Craven.